Welcome to, no, I just, sorry. <laughs> Ignore me. No one pay attention to me, please. Um, <laughs> uh, welcome to Austin New Church. How are you guys doing? This is, uh, this is the church where sometimes you show up and the, the preacher is playing bass and sometimes the bass player is preaching. Um, you never really know what to expect. Uh, so we have a little saying in our house that pops up from time to time. And uh, in, in problematic or difficult, uh, maybe surprising situations, sometimes someone will say, it's tricky, and then inevitably someone responds, tricky like Jesus, um, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but um, let me explain how that began. When my son was five or six years old, uh, for a while we had been having conversations with him here and there about Jesus and how, you know, you can pray and invite him into your heart, and he lives in your heart, and um, very confusing things, right, that we're talking about, and uh, one, one time I'm just driving, and he's in the back seat, and he just offers up this brilliant truth, Jesus is tricky, and, and that was it, and, and I was like, you know what, uh, I, think, I think that's been, you know, Jesus has been baffling theologians for thousands and thousands of years, and my son finally figured it out, he's just tricky. Um, so we're going to see a little bit in the text today, um, Jesus up to some of his tricks. Now these are, these are, he's tricky in the most beautiful and perfect of ways, right? But, but tricky nonetheless. Um, so has anybody ever looked at something or observed something from a distance and felt like you were certain of what you were seeing or what was going on and only to find that as you kind of move in closer, you are completely wrong? Anybody, that ever happened to anybody? Okay. It happened to me at least twice yesterday. Um, I, got, I got home from actually studying for this um, yesterday morning, and, and my neighbor, we live in a, we just moved recently within the last six weeks or so, so we're still getting to know our neighbors and whatnot, and one of my neighbors is, is backing a, uh, an international scout. I don't know if anybody knows what that is, but it's a, it's a vehicle. Uh, they're backing it in on a trailer into their driveway, and I'm, I'm pulling in, and, and, and I'm like, oh, wow, he, he, got, a, he got a scout, I, I, and I go inside, and I, I tell my son, you got to come out here and see this car. I drove one of these when I was in high school, and you never see them. They're really rare. I got rid of it because I could never find parts for it, but you got to come see this, and I walk outside to show my son this international scout, and we walk over there, and it's a Bronco, okay, <laughs> and I was embarrassed. I was like, oh, I thought it was a scout. It was a Bronco. And then uh, last night, we're in Bernie, Texas. My daughter had her first ever gymnastics meet, her first ever competitive meet, second place all around. <laughs> and it was only because she had a start on beam, and she was nervous, and she messed up her dismount. But anyways, she'll win next time. Um, and, uh, uh, but then we all, the, the whole team and the parents went to eat in Bernie uh, after, and, and Across the restaurant, I see the guy from Dude Perfect. Does anybody know Dude Perfect? Anybody have a son in the room? Yeah. So I'm like, oh my gosh, Tyler. It's the guy from Dude Perfect. I can't remember his name. What's his name? And Tyler says, his name's Tyler. And I said, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, it's the guy. And then he gets closer and closer, and it's totally not him. And it doesn't even really look much like him at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it happened to me twice yesterday. But I also think about, you know, my... My kids, so my daughter right now is just figuring out, so we'll be on the road, it's hot, summertime, and she'll see puddles out in front of her, right? 
because um, it, it must have rained up there. It's a rain, like, and of course, you get closer and closer, and you realize there's no, there's no puddles. It's still hot. It's still dry. It doesn't rain in Texas anymore. Um, so oftentimes, from a distance, we can observe things and be very certain. Um, but as we move in, either we can either stand our ground and, and, and refuse to believe that it's different than we think it is, or we can adjust what's going on. So... We're going we're gonna to dig into that a little bit this morning, but first I want to give a quick um, overview of where we've been. So uh, we've been tracking with Jesus as he quotes the Old Testament and the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, as a quick review, Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's come in triumphantly on a donkey. Uh, everyone's excited, but then since then he's been ruffling a lot of religious feathers, right? He's turning over ta- tables in the temple. He's cursing fig trees. He is... Uh, He's teaching in all these parables that are somewhat confusing, and he's, he's putting the Pharisees and Sadducees in their place while quoting the Psalms. Um, so over the last few weeks, we've been seeing the reality that the religious establishment is putting Jesus to the test. They're questioning him. They're trying to trap him in his own words. As Jason highlighted last week, the legalists are rejecting this teacher, this rabbi, this so-called Messiah. He's, as Jason said, he's... he's creating an invitation to a banquet <clears throat> that is way bigger than these Pharisees are, are ready to accept, okay? It's way too large. It's more than they're expecting. He's going too far. It's more than they can handle. Um, he's opening the doors too wide, and they won't stand for it. We've also seen a trend that the religious establishment of the day is reading the text with their own agenda in mind, right? So uh, they're kind of shaping things to the way they see the world, to support their own angles. But as Jason reminded us last week, we can all be guilty of this, right? We all have our context. We all have our worldview. And we all can begin to shape things to the way we feel like they should be. Okay, so, so they're vying for the right to say what belongs to God, to decide for themselves what belongs to God and what does not, what's acceptable, what's not, who's acceptable, who's not. All right, but Jesus says no. He says it all belongs to God. We all belong to God. And as Jason said last week, heaven will not allow earth to determine what comes from heaven. We don't get to control that. We don't get to decide who he is or who we want him to be. Jason and Trey have both challenged us over the past few weeks to put ourselves into the text. It's very easy to read this text and go, ah, the Pharisees just didn't get it. The Sadducees, they were sad, you see. And um, they, they just totally missed the boat, right? But... This text that we're reading is meant for us, right? We, we can become that same establishment if we're not careful. Um, to quote Jason last week, fundamentalism in all her forms is the problem with humanity. And this includes your fundamentalism and Jason's fundamentalism, but not mine. Um, <laughs> and my fundamentalism. Um, he said, we almost always perpetrate the same small thinking that caused us to branch off to begin with. We recreate it. So we see something that we don't agree with, and then we come over here, and we say, this is what's right. And then before we know it, we've stopped listening to God, maybe. We've stopped moving with him and, and kind of dancing with him, and we've created our own fundamentalism over here. So that's what this text is warning us against. So we can't, we can't get trapped in... in uh, pointing fingers at, at the Pharisees here. But um, 
But last week we ended with the, the Pharisees asking Jesus, what's the greatest command, right? And he gives them a really simple answer, really easy for all of us to do, right? Love God with all our heart and love everyone else, right? Not so easy to do. Not so easy to do. Um, so now we're going to move forward a little bit. Matthew 22, verse 41. Uh, should be up on the screens here. So the Pharisees and Sadducees, they've been trying to trip Jesus up. And now, uh, being the, the tricky Jesus that he is, uh, he asked them a question. Okay? So while the Pharisees were together, Jesus questioned them. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? David's, they told him. He asked them, how is it then that David, inspired by the Spirit, calls him Lord? And so here's where Jesus quotes Psalm 110.1. This is David saying, The Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David calls him Lord, how then can the Messiah be his son? No one was able to answer him at all. Or as it's translated in the message, which I really like, it says, that stumped them, literalists that they were. And from that day, no one dared question him anymore. So let me pray real quick, and then, and then we'll move forward. Um, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Um, God, I just pray that our, our, our minds would be open, our hearts would be soft to what you have this morning. Uh, Lord, speak through my mess, and I and, uh, just thank you for your presence here today. In Jesus' name. Um, so Jesus is, is not doing something small here, right? He's... He's kind of tripping up the Pharisees. So he's basically saying, how could just a son of David be the Messiah, right? Because David is calling him Lord, and he would not call a son or someone from his, his natural human lineage Lord, right? So Jesus is, Jesus is claiming something here. Um, with this simple question, he's claiming his place as the Messiah, the new covenant, the Son of God, the true King of kings and Lord of lords, our Savior, but also he's, he's turning the certainty of the day upside down. So just like the tables he overturned in the temple a few days earlier, he's, he's inaugurating a kingdom here, but it's not the kingdom that the Pharisees are looking for. Um, they're, they're, they're looking for something very different. So Jesus is kind of messing up their expectations. You see, they've been looking for an earthly king of kings to come and, and help them, you know, regain their, their, their place, right? They're looking for a great ruler to make Israel great again, all right? Not to, not to steal any, any uh, phrases there, but um, they're looking for a certain thing, and, and Jesus is not fitting the bill, and so they're not happy about it. And, but what I want to do is take a step back real quick and look at this process uh, uh, that's been going on in history really quickly to kind of see where the Pharisees are coming from. So God has been at work in this process of redemption for a long time. Okay, so if we take, go all the way back to the beginning, um, God created all, everything, right? And very soon after that, um, at least in the text, uh, everything fell, right? We have this introduction of sin into the world, which is really just, like I was saying before, us trying to call the shots, okay? Us trying to determine um, the things of God rather than allowing God to determine that. So everything falls, everything is infected with this cancer of sin, and then immediately God begins a process of redemption, okay? And it's been unfolding through history. So you, we see this in different promises that God makes. So we think of Noah. Well, with Noah, God made a promise, I'm not going to destroy the earth again, which is good. I'm very grateful for that. 
Sometimes in, in these Texas thunderstorms, I wonder if it's true, but so far, so good. Um, and then with Abraham, he kind of takes that promise to all of creation, and then he says to Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, and all the people of the world will be blessed, okay? And then he moves in a little bit closer with Moses, and he says, okay, I'm going to make a holy nation set apart, but you guys have to follow me, okay? And that didn't work out so well with the following me part, and so he moves in a little closer with King David, right? And, and this is kind of where the Pharisees get stuck because David kind of represents the golden age of Israel for them, right? And God made a promise to David. He said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise up somebody from, from your house, from your line that's going to rule forever. So that's what these guys are waiting for. That's what they're excited about is somebody to come in and, and rule, right? So... This is what Jesus is, is dealing with here. So remember our, remember our passage. Jesus asked the Pharisees, whose son is the Messiah? And they answered David, because David to them represented the king of kings. The, he kind of represented the glory days. And, and surely that's what God was up to, right? So they're looking for a new king of kings to lead Israel, but God has a different plan. Okay, he has a plan for all of creation, and he has a plan for each one of us. But they're not seeing that. God is moving but he's, he's not moving in as a conquering king. He's coming as a humble teacher and a servant. And this is Jesus' process of kind of claiming that place. But the Pharisees are stuck. They're observing all this from a distance. They're still way back in history, and, and they're, they're too far away to see what's really going on. So they're looking through the lens of what they've been taught for generations. They're looking at this from their, their towers of tradition and their walls of of. of cultural norms and religious expectations that they've kind of built up. And they're asking questions, but they're not really listening to the answers. Their, their questions are, have, have this hidden meaning underneath them. Does that ever happen to you guys? You're having a conversation with somebody, and they're asking you questions, and you're trying to give a nice, thoughtful answer, but really they're just thinking about what they want to say next. So, so that's what's happening here. Um, so from a distance, they're able to stand back and have their own kind of clearly defined lines of how things were, how things they should be, how things should be. Um, and and they're, they're choosing to stay back far enough so that they can see the whole picture. They can have a bit of control. They can make sense of things, um, decide what they can handle uh, and what they can't handle. Um, and, and from a distance, I think you can, you, can, you can do that. You can kind of keep things neat and tidy. Um, if, if it doesn't fit in the picture that you're seeing, you can... You can cast it to the side. Uh, but Jesus is tricky. He's not, he's not going to be okay with that. And he's turning all of these certainties upside down. Jesus is the Messiah, but he's not the kind of Messiah that they wanted. <clears throat> so, but again, like I said before, before we go ragging on the Pharisees, uh, I, I think we have to remember that, that we do the same thing. Okay, we have to put ourselves <clears throat> in that position. So, um, you know, I, I do this a lot. I, I kind of keep myself at a safe distance from things so that I can maybe control the outcomes a little bit. I'm a, I'm a nine on the Enneagram, okay? I'm a peacemaker, uh, which can be a great thing sometimes and can be a really bad thing sometimes, right? Because sometimes, sometimes you need to ruffle feathers like Jesus is doing here. And, and it's really easy for me to stand back and let things happen and keep, keep my distance, right? <clears throat> So I want us to ask ourselves this morning, what kind of king are we looking for? 
What kind of kingdom are we creating? Or what kind of fundamentalism, fundamentalism are we espousing? Are we keeping our distance? Are we playing it safe? Are we scared to move in too close? Are we scared we may lose sight of the big picture and we may lose a bit of control? Um, so I've been, I've been reading this really cutting edge new author. Uh, you guys have probably never heard of her because, uh, because I'm always so ahead of my time. Uh, her name's Brene Brown. Um, I, I think she's going places. I think she's, she's on to something, but uh, I'm kidding, of course. I'm, I'm late to the, to the party as usual, but I'm finally reading my first Brene book, and I'm reading Braving the Wilderness, and um, in this book, she talks about moving in and, and, and zooming in because people are really, they're, they're hard to hate close up, right? From a distance, we can have our own preconceived notions, we can have our own certainties, and we can have our own apathy maybe, or, or um, even hatred sometimes. And when we move in close, that becomes more difficult, okay? And so as I'm reading this book, and as I'm preparing for this message, and as I'm listening to Jason's advice to find the gospel in the text, I kind of think to myself, this is, the God, this is what's happening, this process of moving in close. Um, we saw, I mean, God's had a plan from all of creation, and now it's coming all the way down to the person of Jesus, and then that plan's going to be lived out in each one of us. Um, and so this, the gospel is this process of, of moving in close. Because you see, from a distance, things can look nice and tidy. Uh, as Jason Isbell sings, from the sky, we look so organized and brave. Um, from a safe distance, we can define the terms. We can draw our clear boundaries and rest on our certainties. We decide what we're comfortable with, what we can handle, and then we can stop listening because there's no real need to listen anymore. Not to really listen, because we're right. Um, but when we move in close those lines kind of become blurry. Have you ever been like in a museum and, you know, you look, you look at a, an oil painting from a distance and, and you see everything clearly, right? But as you move in, it's not quite so clear anymore, but there's a, there's a beauty in it because you're seeing what's actually taking place and you're seeing the brush strokes and you're seeing the colors, um, you know, blend together um, up close. But it's, it's not till you're far away that the things become clear and more simple, maybe a little easier to handle. But I think with the gospel and with this tricky Jesus, we have to zoom in. We have to stay close because he's moving and he's, he's asking us to move with him. So I'm going to give a practical example and then I'm going to give a personal example. By the way, I, I read through this to my wife last night driving home from Bernie after not seeing the guy from Dude Perfect. And... I got done reading what I had, and she's like, I don't even, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> she's like, I'm sorry, but it's just not good. <laughs> so what you're hearing is a bit of reworking, but she also was like, you just, like, just got to talk to people, and I'm not good at that because I'm, I'm used to having something in my hands here. Um, and everything's usually planned out much better uh, with a song than, than with speaking. But uh, on a practical level, this could play out. So my wife is a teacher. She's a really good teacher. She just started a new year. And of course, anybody in here, maybe who's a teacher or a parent or anything, you get this new class every year. And, 
And she's hearing all the stories about every kid, right? She's hearing what last year's teachers think about this kid and what the teachers before think about this kid. And it can be very easy to trust that blindly, believe that, and just say, oh, you know, this, this kid is just a little turd, right? Um, but, but the reason she's a good teacher is because she doesn't do that. And she moves in close and she gets to know these kids for who they are without without resting on what she's been told that they are. And a lot of times she's really pleasantly surprised by these kids. Um, so that's a practical example of the value of moving in close, moving into the mess, not being afraid of that, um, that discomfort or unpredictability. Um, on a more personal level, um, two, two, two and a half years ago, uh, I kind of had to experience this process. Um, so Brandon asked all of us who are elders, probably more than three years ago, guys, I really need you to study this, this particular subject because it's going to be really important for the church at large and our church in the future. And that's the subject of, of the LGBT community and the church, right? So for me at that time, I had a lot of preconceived ideas um, based on tradition, based on the way I grew up, based on what I had always been taught. Um, and I also kind of just wanted to keep my distance. I felt like I got plenty of things to worry about in my life. I don't need a new thing to figure out, right? So I can, I can stay back here. I can trust what I've learned. Or I can let you guys figure it out and then just trust what you've learned um, and I'm just going to keep my distance and, and be okay and see how this plays out. Um, but the problem is that's, that's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus is calling us to. That's not what he's doing in this text. He's not saying, okay, Pharisees, y'all just think what you want. And no, he's, he's moving, and, and we have to move with him. We have to be willing to, uh, to, to, to press in closer and, and be willing to be uncertain, be willing to, to maybe not know exactly what's going to happen next. And so I've been in this process for two years now of, of moving in and moving in. And it's, it's been really beautiful. Um, I've, I've grown a lot. Um, I, feel like, I feel like the gospel is alive in me in a new way. And that doesn't mean I have everything figured out. Hopefully none of us ever get to a point where we really truly feel like we have everything figured out because then what have we done? We've become that religious establishment. We've become the Pharisees because I don't think any of us can claim to truly figure out this Jesus, right? My, my son knows we can't. Um, so we may not always know what he's up to. We may not always understand. But as we learned in the text last week, we can always love he told us, love God, love your neighbor. And that's everybody. Nobody's excluded from that, right? And that's, re that's really, that's our responsibility. That's when we boil it all down, like he said, ev everything else hangs on that, right? We can love. That's our charge. So to kind of wrap this up, we can't follow this rabbi from a distance. We can't love him from our towers and behind our safe walls. We surely can't love our neighbors from a distance. We have to zoom in into the mess, into the uncertainty, as Brene would say, into the wilderness. 
And we have to be willing to listen and ready to love. Because Jesus is tricky. And if we try to decide who he is or who we want him to be, we'll miss him every time. So let's pray.